Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. Creative. I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast, a show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to PDX Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bruton. We're back with a new episode. Uh, very excited to have my guest today, Andrew Krosowski, who's the CEO of Realware. Andrew, welcome. Thanks, Dan. Pleasure to be here. So I want to kind of get right into it. Uh, we'll, we'll learn a little more about you, but for the folks that don't know uh, about Realware, can you tell us a little bit about the company and what you do? Sure. Uh, Realware is sort of the gold standard today of wearable uh, voice control industrial computers. So think of an iPad or a a Android tablet that you can operate with your voice in a 100 decibel environment without touch or gestures. So it's uh, incredibly powerful, focused on that frontline worker. And so we like to think of ourselves as a human-centered technology company because everything we do is not about the technology. It's about engaging, empowering, and ultimately elevating the performance of those frontline workers uh, who are out there using the information, making a difference, and allowing them to work more safely and productively. And for the people, you know, who are listening, which we just like paint a picture for them, this is an integrated hardware and software device, right? So let's say, and it, you correct me if I'm wrong, because I very well might be someone who's like um, a, a line person for an electric company, a PG, for example, if they're working, they have this augmented reality kind of a device that they work with folks back in an office. Is that right? Or yeah, the right, the right way to think about it literally yeah. is if you're, let's, let's take that example of a lineman. You're, you're out there, the weather's bad. You're, you're, you're climbing, right? So your, your hands are involved with your tools and staying on where you are safely. And you want to be able to either access information or perhaps you want to uh, collaborate with someone uh, with a zoom call or a Microsoft teams call that we would do. You can literally do that with our device under voice commands only, and you're connected, whether it's through a hotspot or, or Wi-Fi, wherever you happen to be in your factory out in the field. And you can now do everything you could do on that iPad or that iPhone, but you can do it now, um, you know, hands-free in that environment. So think of them as being able to pull up the blueprints and zoom in on a solution. They could go connect to a, an expert and ask them to you know, help them with a lockout tagout procedure for safety purposes, or they could just walk them through whatever's happening. So it really is that tool that allows the knowledge transfer, what that person needs, when they need it, uh, in situ, uh, uh, as they work. And it's, I have a hunch, um, since we get into this kind of the pandemic, there has been a broadening of what you do and more opportunity for 
kind of what you do is, is that right? And maybe you can explain some of the, the opportunity and just kind of market and how this crazy past 15 months has maybe changed uh, the direction of your company or, or, or services. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. I mean, we've all learned a lot in the, in the last 15 months, as you're saying, the world has changed, but what we saw for Realware was an acceleration, really a catalyst around the, this mega trend, which is this story of, you know, a workplace shortage. You know, there is a demographic shift in the number of workers out there. And we see that today in the retail industry and in, in restaurants and manufacturing. You know, there's there's not enough workers to do all the work that's out there. That's a, a long-term demographic trend. We saw that the same ideas of productivity and safety and return on investment, you know, before the pandemic. It's clearly these things are long-term mega trends. But what happened as you know, we got into the pandemic, we talk about Hey, we allow you to have a connected worker, you know, at the at the front at the front at the you know frontline worker now being part of that. And people go, well, I didn't have that before. Why is that important now? And yet, after that, so it was more of a, a push into let us show you why there's a great return on investment in this. Let's show you the productivity and the and the savings. Now we get in the, the into the, um, the pandemic, and suddenly. You've got people saying, I can't go see my customer. I can't go install this piece of equipment there. I can't service what's been put in place. I can't travel to, the, to, to do this. And suddenly we all got very good at Zoom and Microsoft Teams and WebEx. And we all kind of got this remote worker concept down. And, and companies like Realware literally have gone you know, since March of last year a, on a remote you know, primarily remote business uh, running the company, right? Very few people in the headquarters whatsoever. And we all experienced that. Well, as that began to happen at the front line, you now started having this, this pull, this demand for, I get it, right? There was no longer having to explain what a connected worker is, what remote work was. Everyone understood remote work. And now when you say, I'm going to extend that remote work capability to your most important frontline workers, and everyone goes, oh, of course, that's more productive. Of course, that's a good idea. Let's go do that. And by the way, that pull allowed them to you know, get to customers, solve problems. And literally, I was just uh, talking with one of the, the world's largest oil and gas companies, uh, recently one of our customers, and they indicated that literally it's a 20 to one advantage uh, using our products. So the, the five inspectors can do the work of 100 inspectors using this system because now instead of putting people on helicopters and flying them out to oil rigs and doing this back and forth, they can literally have these folks in place and folks who are at the locations that need to be inspected can put on an HMT one. People from their own point of view now, the inspector sees what that person sees, communicates with them, can do the inspection remotely, sign off on it and do the work literally at a 21 advantage. That's the kind of technical advantage that we bring to many different industries today. Oh, I love that. And like you said, it's, it's been a catalyst. And you also mentioned about the remote work and we're going to get into that specific to Realware and kind of how your team's doing it. And timing is, uh, it's a timely conversation just as <laughs> we're constantly still kind of being thrown curveballs here about that. Um, but just get back on the company and it is based in Vancouver. And some of the things I wanted to ask about is, you know, I wouldn't say it's an extension of Portland, but there are a lot of exciting things going on specifically in Vancouver for startups and early stage companies. And I can't remember when was Realware founded. 
Um, we, we actually started in 2016, uh, okay. primarily, and we actually started as a Silicon Valley company. So oh, okay. uh, we, were, we were down in, you know, the headquarters was, was down near the airport in San Jose. And it was actually this, this attraction to the market here in Vancouver and, the, and the, I'll say the Portland Metroplex that you know, got us thinking about, let's get out of this California uh, situation where you're, you're dealing with, you know, you've got a lot of talent, but you've got a, a large talent war as well. You've got a lot of costs, a lot of high salaries. We were able to take a look at, at this area and uh, actually got a, a $250,000 grant uh, to come and put our headquarters as a as a anchor tenant in the Fort Vancouver historical site, which come now a business park. We were the the first ones in there, and it was a great move for us, right? Because we had access now to local talent, to the startup community, uh, lowered costs. We were able to to really focus on delivering a world class product. And of course, we're just you know a few hours down the road from Redmond and Seattle. We've got a lot of our our technical resources. We've got this great. Portland community they were able to get to and international transportation 11 miles away across the river at, at the Portland International. So it's been a great place for us. And it's a move that I was strongly supportive of and, and uh, really glad to see that's worked out so well for us. And I know we're coming back to it and usually I like to start with it, but I do want to ask, you know, what's, tell us a little bit about your, your uh, career journey. Sure. Well, I'd be happy to. I mean, this is one of the things that uh, when you, when you lay it out and look at it uh, retrospectively, it, it certainly makes uh, a more interesting play than when you're necessarily living it. But I have been, uh, you know, from my very beginnings as a research physicist in the Air Force, I got a uh, undergraduate degrees in engineering physics uh, from Oregon State University, uh, went into the Air Force as a regular officer. And as this re research physicist, you know, I, I got focused very early on this whole concept of leadership and innovation. And as I got into working with satellite systems and other more complex Quines of, of interactive systems. I got fascinated by this idea of, of interactions of complex systems. And that got me uh, to study at University of Southern California, got a master's degree in, in systems management. And I've applied that in a number of industries. I've been able to do it in, in automotive, in consumer electronics, in uh, fast moving consumer products, in aerospace and industrial products. And, and what I found is that that's brought together this thinking of just how do you uh, understand what you want to create and then make that system generate it? And of course, ultimately, the most important part of all those systems are the people that you have. You know, when I started off as uh, solving these large in industrial technical problems, you come at it from a point of view as an engineer and a physicist. This must be a physics problem, right? This must be an engineering problem. This is, this is happening. And inevitably, it's really about people working together that is the issue. And as you uh, apply those kinds of principles and good leadership principles and build a culture where people feel engaged and empowered and able to, to contribute, that's what then changes everything around. You can then get down to the, okay, what's the engineering problem you're trying to solve? So uh, for me, that's been, you know, my career has just gotten, you know, ever closer to, to being more about the optimization of the organization, both from a people point of view and from this innovation to make something that's you know, su superior sustainable performance, right? That's the key. It's not just doing really well in the short term, it's doing really well in the long term. And that means focusing on your people. It means focusing on good concepts like, you know, environmental, social governance issues, technology issues that we all face today, right? Because as you do that, you create long-term value for the company. And that's really what 
has been the overarching arc, I think, of my career. Well, thanks for sharing that. And you're playing right into my questions because taking that, how has that, um, your experience and your passion for that, for your own team at Realware with, we were thrown into this, you know, remote work like everybody has, what are some of the things you know, you've done to, to maintain that and excel the performance. And if you can share, I think it's valuable for people. Some of the things maybe that didn't work or that you had a hard time with. Right. So, well, you know, I think it's, 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 first of all, you start off with, with first principles, right. And, and what we talk about at real world a lot is do the right thing. It's just, there's too many variables in life to say, you know, I've got this rule book and it's, it's here are the, the things that you apply and it's on page 33, you know, paragraph six. So you start off with really simple. It's like, do the right thing. Uh, we, we talk about being human centered. So we really talk about applying this idea of, uh, you know, are we giving people the tools and the access and the communication need to be engaged, right? We've always said for our customers that we believe inherently a connected worker uh, is inherently more engaged with their customers and with their peers and with their business, right? Than if they're not connected, that communication. So it says right away, when you turn it internally to yourself, if we're going to be that kind of company ourselves, we need to maybe, uh, you know, ensure that we communicate and over-communicate. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I literally had an all hands meeting every week, you know, and make sure, and I reached out personally and made a phone call to every employee around the world to check in on them in those first weeks of the pandemic. How are you doing? What are your challenges? Can you work? You know, how are you being able to work, et cetera? And those weekly calls of statusing what the company was doing and how we were doing and how we were making these transformations, you know, eventually began to naturally go into sort of, okay, let's do it every two weeks. Let's do it, you know, every month. And that's kind of where we've settled out now is, you know, in our current, um, you know, process of just dealing with it on a monthly basis and making sure those calls are interactive. I, then do small group calls where I would get in with the CEO, but but only with, say, seven to 10 people from various departments without their managers and have those one on one kind of one to many conversations. It would let them bring up you know more um, substantive issues that they might be having challenges with. So staying connected you know, with, with your team, I think is what works because you need to know what their challenges are. Our team in India, for instance, as some of you know, had some real challenges with some, some uh, very serious COVID implications in India. And we were there sending extra resources to our folks there to help them get through. Um, we understood that, that understanding what your people need is the way to, to, to move forward, right? We believe that putting our people first is the best way to serve our customers. And so that was something that worked. I think that the challenge, right, is always uh, providing feedback. You know, it's, it's easy to provide, you know, it's easier to provide constructive feedback in a, in a Zoom call or in a, in, a, in a video call of some kind. It's much harder to do critical feedback, you know, in a, in a, uh, a virtual environment. And so I think one of the things that everyone ch- struggles with is making sure that the communications is frequent enough that you don't save up a bunch of this, uh, you know, I'll say constructive criticism just for a video call because it just, you, you don't have the benefit as we all manage people you know, throughout history, right? We manage them with reading body language and hearing the tone of voice and and kind of reading their expressions much more clearly. That's harder to do uh, remotely. And I think that uh, people will never um, be able to do that as well as we can do, I think, in person. The other thing that's more challenging, and actually we, you know, very under the conditions that were set by the state at the time that we would do this, but would have safe meetings, 
for very deep innovation collaboration discussions because collaborating, as great as these tools are to have collaborations and discussions, I don't think anything replaces that energy and excitement of being together in a room, touching a whiteboard, putting post-its somewhere and really interacting. So um, we tried a bunch of different things for large scale uh, you know, collaborative meetings. Um, I think that uh, while they worked, they don't work nearly as well as getting together. And I think that that's the future of work, uh, frankly, uh, Dan, is that we're going to have uh, come together. And when we come together, it's going to be for a specific person to do something right. And can you share as far as on that note, what the future of your workplace, I guess, looks for, looks like for realware. Yeah. Um, and yeah, go, go for it. I would love to learn about that. Yeah. I think that, um, I, I believe, and we've believed for some time now that, uh, what we saw in the terms of the productivity gains in terms of, um, the uh, flexibility for a workforce that remote worked, right? We grew the company substantially during uh, COVID. We're still on a growth path. Uh, we're, we're working primarily remote. I mean, you can think of things as sort of three buckets of people, right? There's sort of the people who need to be in the office, right? These are the frontline workers, people who are putting uh, you know stuff in packages and shipping. They've got to touch product, right? They've got to handle things. So you've got that sort of office first, uh, kind of person. Then you have what what I think of as sort of hybrid, and there's probably going to be a better, more sexy word that we'll, we'll norm on in the future that talks about people who are working from home, working from anywhere, uh, so to speak, and then occasionally coming in for the right reasons to collaborate or to connect or do whatever we need to do on a, on a periodic basis, whether that's once a week, several times a month, you know, several times a quarter. You know, there's going to be that hybrid level of when people move and go together. And then I think there's the remote only, right? You think about salespeople who spend 90% of their time on the road meeting with customers anyway, or are doing their phone calls and virtual sales meetings from wherever they are. And it doesn't matter whether they're in you know, Houston, Texas, or um, Charlotte, North Carolina, or if they're in Vancouver, right? They can get the job done and it's just, uh, it's just as easy. So I think we, we take those three buckets of people. We think about you know, how we can best work together. And then you make the rules around that so that uh, it's, it's everyone feels they can contribute. So the balance point will be a, a remote first or remote primary, I think, hybrid workforce for the foreseeable future. That has implications for how much real estate we'll ultimately need as we grow, right? So that uh, I don't have to worry about expanding the headquarters as rapidly as I had to be thinking about that, say, a year and a half ago. But now it's it's like there will be uh, what is the nature of that headquarters? It'll be more around customer experience. It's going to be more around really great collaborative spaces where people can come together and do their best work when we need to be there. And it's going to be those spaces that then with technology, so it means getting the right video technology, audio technology in place, that if people aren't in the office collaborating, that they can have a rich experience as well. Because that'll be the, the point, I think, where culture's we'll see a difference is can you feel as connected and contributing if you aren't in the office when some subset of your teammates are there? And so that'll be the challenge, I think, for everyone um, as we go forward. So I wouldn't say we've got it figured out, but we've got the broad strokes, I think, of our program in place. And, and we look forward to doing, you know, keeping everything that was good uh, about remote work in terms of flexible work hours and, and productivity and taking people's long commutes out 
but making sure we add to it all the benefits of being in the office, that cultural connection, those uh, impromptu kinds of conversations and camaraderie that builds up from people being together. And that, that's going to be the challenge going forward. And getting back. So you went to Oregon State. Are mm -hmm. you an Oregon kid? No, actually, I was born in, in Washington, D.C. I uh, grew up in Fairfax, Virginia, and then uh, lived in a couple other different states before I, I went to uh, school here in, in Oregon. So you kind of maybe been here since or left and come back. And as we kind of wrap up the conversation, I always like to ask about, you know, we're including Southwest Washington in, in this conversation. Um, what is special kind of about, about being here? And then in regards specific to business, what are your thoughts on just where our area is headed as far as growth and talent and, and um, on that note? Well, okay. There are a couple, couple questions in there to unpack, but let me yep. just say what's special, <laughs> what's special about the Northwest. Um, one of the things that, that uh, conversations I had with my wife as we early in our marriage, I said, do you want to live the last place I work or do we want to have a plan? And so we very early thought about, you know, creating a vision for where we wanted to be in our, in what we call our sort of our master home, the place we, we want to call home permanently. And we did a study all across the country, right? We looked at, you know, having a quarter acre in Naples, Florida, or, you know, 150 acres on a mountaintop in Tennessee or wherever you might you know think. And we, we settled on the Pacific Northwest as where we wanted to be because of the weather, because of the, the culture, because of all the access to, you know, all the things that we happen to love out here, the water, the mountains, the, the wildlife, et cetera. So that was kind of a choice for us personally. From a business choice, uh, as we talked earlier, there's a lot of reasons to be as a technology company, as a human-centric technology company, to be in the Pacific Northwest. The, the talent that we have in Seattle and Redmond, uh, in Portland and Vancouver just says we've got, you know, lots of human resources to draw from. And there's places that people want to live. Uh, I think recently uh, Washington was listed as the top state for livability by um, U.S. News and World Report, I think was the one that just came out on that. So there's a reason to be here. I think the caveat or the asterisk I would put on that from a business point of view for all of these startup companies and young companies who have made the same decisions Railware has is that now the same thing about remote work that had been an advantage essentially will now become uh, an area of, con of uh, being contested because big companies like Oracle or Facebook or Google, you know, engineers who lived in Colorado or Portland or you know, Vancouver might have said, you know what, I wouldn't mind working for those companies, but I don't want to live in San Francisco. I don't want to live in San Jose. Well, now those companies are saying, guess what? We'll let you work remote. You don't have to move. So I think the talent war, right, this the war for the best uh, people, the best uh, engineers, the best managers, the greatest leaders have now become a global war, right, that thou can be waged with disproportionate advantage, I think, to the big tech companies. And Seth says that for smaller companies who used to say, well, come work with us because you can work locally or, hey, you can work for us and work remotely. Now that's kind of table stakes. So the differentiation, I think, is going to be in culture. Can we make Realware a more exciting, more rewarding place where people actually feel totally engaged with the mission and this idea of a human-centric technology company serving and transforming the way work is done? Do they feel empowered to do their best work here? Do they feel you know, the freedom to be their authentic selves and do their best work? 
And if they feel that way, do they feel like they have a runway to, to elevate their careers as they go forward? And I think if we provide that culture, that environment, everyone will be able to compete. But uh, that competition is going to heat up. And, you know, the economics of it are that, you know, regional economics are now national or international economics, for, at least with respect to, you know, people resources. I mean, we could have a whole separate podcast just on that. So I appreciate you sharing. Um, well, Andrew, where can people find out more about Realware, uh, more about you uh, and connect with you? Sure. Well, first of all, the best place to go for real, Realware is realware.com. Uh, you'll find uh, all kinds of case studies, uh, great, great links to uh, you know, use cases and, and customer success stories. We have a very popular channel on YouTube, so you can go search Realware on YouTube and find our channel, subscribe to that, see a bunch of great videos about how this kind of technology is used, et cetera. You can find me on LinkedIn at Andrew Krasowski. So please, if uh, folks want to connect, mention this podcast that you heard it and would like to connect, and that'll let me know uh, that uh, you're not a random person reaching out here. <laughs> and of course, I, I tweet on uh, Twitter about leadership, innovation, and business on, on Twitter at, at Andrew Cross. So you can, A-N-D-R-E-W-C-H-R-O-S. So you can connect with me there. Andrew, thanks so much uh, for your time. I'm just really excited knowing, as I mentioned to you before, recorded some some friends that work for Realware uh, to see it grow and, and, and all the exciting stuff you do. So thanks again. Thank you, Dan. Have a great day. Thanks for the invitation. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well. 